Welcome to the Restoration Church weekly podcast. Please take a minute to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And be sure to download the Church Center app. This is the best way to stay connected and up to date with all that's happening at Restoration Church. Most importantly, we hope the following message will help draw you closer to Christ. Thanks for listening. So many things to mention always. I cannot um, not mention that we have four Christmas Eve services this year. Uh, we have two family services at 10 and 11.30. This is the kind of service you want to come in your PJs. It's fun. It's interactive. It's loud. It's boisterous. There's confetti cannons that explode. It's all, it's all sorts of good times. Um, if you want something a little more wild and rowdy, this is the one to be at. Uh, if you would like something a little more somber, a little more reflective, candle lighting, carol singing, getting into God's word and, and, uh, and, and learning, then come back at 7 p.m. or 11 p.m. for our candlelight services. Or if you don't want to choose, then come to both. That's a great option as well. So make sure to join us there. We are in a series titled The Ghost of Christmas Past. We are having the series because Christmas time is the most wonderful time of the year, right? I believe that. It is awesome. I love Christmas. I love the lights, the decorations, the presents, everything that comes with Christmas. But we know that for a lot of people, Christmas can also be a very painful, challenging time of the year. Christmas is the time of the year when debt, right, seems to be overwhelming, when anxiety, when fears, when the challenges of losses and the past hurts and being with dysfunctional family and all these other things tend to remind us that maybe, yes, it is a great time of the year, but it can also be very painful. So we're in the series titled The Ghost of Christmas Past, and we are discussing uh, various ghosts, if you will, that tend to haunt us and creep up on us uh, this time of the year. I want to start by talking about the power of words. How many of you know that words are very effective? They can either tear down or they can build up. Some of you have experienced this before. Words can tear you down. They can belittle you. They can destroy a life. There's a saying. There's a saying that we've probably all heard. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Words may never... Is that the stupidest thing that's ever been said? I think it is, right? I don't know whoever, whoever penned those words first, but that guy knew nothing about the power of words because words have incredible power to hurt and to destroy and to tear down. Yes, words can do incredible things to build up and encourage as well, but words are very, very powerful. The reality is that Proverbs 18.21 tells us that the tongue, our words, has the power of life and death. Words can build, they can destroy And the truth is, when we hear something over and over and over again, it's hard, it's hard not to actually believe that that thing is true. When something is spoken over us over and over and over again, it's really hard to not believe that thing is true. Words have shaping power in our lives. I was blessed by two great parents who instilled with me kindness and and joy and exuberance, and like they just spoke encouragement over me constantly, made me my mom to the point of like, idolatry a few times like she just loved her kids so much like she just so much encouragement so much praise so much love so much adoration but i cannot imagine i cannot imagine what my life would have been like if if she did not speak that over me if she would have spoke harsh critical belittling words over me i can imagine that my my life would have been exceptionally different very 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 different The reality is, let's just call it what it is, that there are many of us, 
Many of us who in this area of life in particular, the words that we've heard because of what we've done or what we've experienced or something that's happened to us, we struggle because we've applied labels from our past upon our hearts and upon our minds and upon our souls. We struggle maybe in this moment right now because of the labels that we've wrongly claimed because of something that has happened in the past. Maybe someone said something about you one time. They, they called you something. They belittled you. They made you feel less than. And then you internalize that label. You apply it to your soul and your mind and your heart. And you still carry what they said about you today. Maybe you did something years and years and years ago and you can't seem to get the guilt to go away and then you've applied the label that that guilt has created upon your heart and your soul and you just cannot get that to go away. Internally, you own that action and you connect your identity then to something that you did way back when. Maybe you heard something about you on the outside and you started to internalize it on the inside. I don't know what your label might be, but certainly there are those, I think, of who've owned the title of lazy. I think in times in my life, my college roommate would uh, wake me up and say, hey, you sluggard, you ever going to get out of bed? That's how he woke me up every morning. You sluggard. I love Jeff dearly. He's like my best friend, but he that's how he woke me up every day in college. You sluggard, get out of bed. And he wasn't wrong, right? And so that's that's the challenge, right? He wasn't wrong. Like I And I still have a hard time getting out of bed, don't I? I love, I just hit the alarm one more time. I just love it. I love it. I could stay in bed for hours. I love it. You sluggard? I still kind of hear that in the back of my mind. You sluggard? You sluggard? You ever going to go out of bed? And we internalize it. And the fact, and the, the, the challenge is that there is a partial, part of that is true, right? Yeah, he said something to me, but part of it is true. And so that's part of the challenge. Maybe you're always just an average student. You, you're never going to amount to much at all. And you're just insecure. You're hot-headed. You lose your cool all the time. You're overly sensitive. You're annoying. You're pathetic. Whatever it might be, right? You're always bad at relationships. You're, you're just too much. Like whatever it is that you're doing is just too much. I tell my daughters this like, you're at a 10, I need you at a 3. You're at a 10, I need you at a 3. Like I speak that over my children sometimes. There's just too much. You need to buy, you need to dial it back, right? I, I don't, I don't know what the labels, I don't know what people have spoken over you over the years. But I think we've all had people, whether it be internalized or something they've spoken over us or something we've spoken over ourselves, we've all applied labels to ourselves. And let's just be honest. Sometimes when we internalize a negative label, there are times when there might be some truth into it. Like I just said, like, like yeah, I kind of was lazy. I did have a hard time getting out of bed. Maybe I'm not the smartest person in the room. You know, maybe, maybe I, I, I do have something that I still need to learn. Maybe I am a little hot-headed. Maybe I do get angry a little easier than the average person. There might be some truth to the label that you've embraced. But here's what I want you to understand this morning. What was said about you now or then doesn't have to be true about you later. Let me say that again. Internalize it, feel this, believe it, embrace it, because it is true. What is said about you now or what was said about you then does not have to be true about you later. God is bigger than your past. Own that truth. Believe that truth, friends. God is bigger than your past. His grace is stronger than the label that you've put upon yourself or that somebody else has applied to you. What's said about you now does not have to be true about you label. So if you've embraced some hurtful, negative label that paralyzes you or holds you back or holds you down, that tells you that you are less than, if you've embraced that type of label, well, today, I want to encourage you to name that label something different. 
I want to label you to transition from what was said about you to something new that could be said about you. And we're going to look at a story out of Genesis 35. So if you ever text with you, turn to Genesis 35. Words will be on the screen. To give you a little bit of backstory about what this story <clears throat> is about, it's the story of Jacob and Rachel. You guys may know this story if you're a Bible reader. Uh, Jacob, previous in his life, had gone to um, his uh, home of origin to find a wife. And while he was um, t- tending to some sheep, there was a beautiful young woman who happened to be his cousin named Rachel. And we were told that Rachel had a beautiful figure, that she was lovely, that she was just, she, she was the one, right? Love struck immediately. Rachel had a sister named Leah. And all we're told about Leah is that she had weak eyes, right? She was the girl with the glasses. She had a good personality, you know, if I know what I'm talking about. That was it, though. And he wanted Rachel, and so he worked seven years. He went to Laban, his uncle, and he said, give me Rachel as my wife. He said, sure, work seven years for me. So he does. He works seven years. At the end of seven years, he gets Rachel. And then on their wedding day, you guys might know the story, on the wedding day, Laban sends Leah into the bridal tent, the one with weak eyes. And it's dark, you know, so they don't know what they're doing. It's dark in there. He wakes up in the morning. He realizes it's Leah, not Rachel, the one that he wanted. He says, you scoundrel, how dare you do this? He said, well, it's not our custom to give away the youngest daughter first. We always give away the oldest daughter. And so I had to give Leah away first. He says, fine, I'll work another seven years for you for you if you give me Rachel. And so he has two brides. They're sisters. No dysfunction in that family whatsoever. <laughs> he has Rachel, the one he loves dearly. He has Leah, the one with the good personality. Interesting. For years, Rachel couldn't conceive. Leah, she was popping out babies left and right. Like, all they had to do was look at each other, and a new baby was on its way. Leah had ten sons, and Rachel couldn't conceive. And so the one that he really wanted to establish his family with and build his family with, he couldn't with her. But after a number of time, number of years had finally passed, Rachel was finally able to conceive. She has one son. And then she was actually able to have a second son. Tragically, though, the second pregnancy doesn't end well for Rachel. And I want you to show you how the story goes. We're going to see when you should name something different than what it is and the power behind this story of Rachel giving birth to her second son. Genesis chapter 35, 16 tells us this. It's a very, very sad story. Rachel begins to give birth. And she had great difficulty, we're told. But there is a description of two names that were that were given in this in this context. We don't know what's going on here, but in this day and age, you couldn't have an emergency C-section, right? There's there's trouble with the the pregnancy. Rachel's obviously having a hard time giving birth. They don't know exactly what's going on here, but it seems that Rachel is in dire straits. She's in big big trouble. The pregnancy is not going well. Her life is in imminent danger. And verse 17 tells us she was having great difficulty. And again. In childbirth, they repeat, she's having great difficulty. Obviously, this is a very, very challenging time. And the midwife says to her, as a, as a word to comfort her, yeah, you're, you're, you're dying, Rachel. You're on your deathbed, but don't despair. You're having a son. That's, a, that's great, right? You're having a son. Yeah, I know you're on your deathbed, but great. You're having a son. Don't despair. You're having a son. And then verse 18 is very tragic. In this one verse, we see this. As Rachel breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son Ben-Oni, but his father 
named him Benjamin. I just want you to think about this for a second. She's breathing her last. She's on her deathbed. She's giving birth. She held out her little son. For the first time, she holds her son and she names him Ben-Oni. Rachel named her son one thing, but the father came along and said, no, I'm going to call you something else. Rachel named him one thing. The father comes along and says, no, I'm going to name you something else. This is important because Rachel named him Ben-Oni, but Jacob named him Benjamin. Names are really important, especially in their DNA. Names aren't as important, I think, in our DNA, especially with the names that are being given to kids these days they can't be that important right they cannot be that important with what we're naming our kids these days when we thought about naming our kids you know so many years ago we were just like i don't know i kind of like that name how many of you just thought you got together and you were like i just kind of like that name i don't really know what that name means let's go find out what that name means now that we like the name right so we named our first son ethan his name means strong which is great because he is very strong in character And so he kind of lived into that name, which is kind of cool. Luke means light bearer or bringer of light. And that's, we see that in him all the time. Like he's, 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 he has a heart for justice and he has a heart for, for, for kindness. And it's illuminated. It's, it's absolutely true of him. Sophia means wisdom. We're coaching to understand that life is connected and the choices that she makes are based on that knowledge. So we're, we're trying to help our kids live into the, their namesake. And then there's Evelyn. Evan ironically means wished for, desired for a child, which is interesting because she was an oops baby. I don't know if you guys ever had an oops baby. We don't speak that over her, of course, right? No, Evelyn, you were desired, of course. And we do desire her and we wish for her and we long for her and that is absolutely true, but she was God's plan, not ours. Yeah, absolutely. That's, thank you. Thank you. But have you guys ever read like the, the list of the most popular names that are coming out these days? Don't, just kind of scratch your head. They're creative. They're, people are getting creative with the ways they're naming their kids. Here's, here's a list of some of the most popular names in 2023. Nobody's naming their kids Ross and Emily anymore. Nobody's naming their kids Jessica or Jennifer or Tom or Michael. Like, here are four of the top boy names for 2023. Arrow, Bobo, Miggy, and Blade. And Blade is like... I just want to go tattoo that on my arm. It's like he's gonna he's he's gonna have that tattooed somewhere as he gets up. And then here, you thought those are shocking. Here are some of the more popular baby names for girls: Fruity, Messiah. Who's living up to that name? And does anybody know how to pronounce that last one? Ladasha. How did you know that? <laughs> la, la. What? How? Let's. I. I had to look that one up. I was like, what is this? But <laughs> When our kids were born, we were like, you know, we like this name. We go find the meaning behind it. But it wasn't typical in their day and name. They named their kids specifically because of what they were experiencing at the time or the blessing or the curse they believed that child was going to enact upon the world. Back to our text in verse 18. Let's just read it again. As Rachel breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son... What did she name him? Ben-Oni. Ben-Oni. But her father named him Benjamin. Ben-Oni means son of my sorrow. And that kind of makes sense, right? She was breathing her last. She was dying. She was looking at this child and said, you know what? I'm never going to, I'm never going to watch him take his first step. I'm never going to feed this child. I'm never going to watch him grow up. I'm never going to watch him play t-ball. You know, I'm never going to watch him graduate from high school. I'm never going to be part of my child's life. And so there's a lot of sorrow 
upon this child and upon this experience. And so she names him son of my sorrow. She's breathing her last. She's dying. But when you think about it, Rachel wasn't the only one who was grieving, right? Who else was grieving? Jacob is grieving, right? He's losing his wife whom he loved, who he worked 14 years for. His wife is dying in childbirth and he's hurting like crazy. But when his wife, who he treasured, wanted to name their son, the son of sorrow, he said, no, 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 no. We are not naming our son Benoni. Every time I look at my son, I would be reminded then of my sorrow. Every time I look at my son, I would be reminded of my grief. And so Jacob realized this, that what may be true in this moment won't be true forever. That yes, we are deep in sorrow right now. We are hurting tremendously right now, but we are not going to name our child son of sorrow. What is true in this moment will not be true forever. The father took what his name was and he named it something else. Because friends, here's if you don't like the label that you carry, the label that you've been given, the label that you've been called, then name it something different. Give it a different label. Let the Father in heaven take what your enemy called you and name it something different. She says, this is the son of my sorrow, and, and Jacob says, no, we're going to call him something else. And what's interesting is, you might know the story, Jacob had a, a lot of experience with renaming things. In fact, if you know the story, like he got his name Jacob because... Uh, well, eventually, later on the story, he, he is given the name Israel because he wrestled with God. And he said, no, no longer is your name going to be, to be Israel. I'm sorry, no longer is your name going to be Jacob, deceiver, person who lies, person who deceives, person who manipulates. That's what Jacob means, by the way. Okay. He's got a son named Jacob. And he was like, oh, I know. I know. I know what the name means. I'm not going to call you Jacob anymore. I'm going to call you Israel. Your God, your God will prevail. And then that very same place, he was like, well, I'm not going to, you know, where I'm standing right now, let's recall where I'm standing now. We're going to call it Peniel because I saw the face of God and I survived. I lived. And so he starts renaming all sorts of things after this experience. He, he starts renaming all sorts of things. He has the power to rename things, right? He looked at his son who was named Benoni, son of sorrow, and he says, no, 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 no. We're not going to call this man sorrowful. We're going to call him Benjamin. We're going to call him Benjamin, the son of my blessing. I'm going to call him Benjamin, the son of my blessing. What the enemy meant for harm, I am going to find good. What others would call a curse, I'm going to call a blessing. What others would call sorrow, I'm going to call a blessing from God. You may want to write this down, friends, if you're a note taker this morning. This is so important. You don't get to choose what comes into your life. Oftentimes, we are not choosing what comes into our life, but we get to choose what we call it. And I don't know what you've experienced, and I don't know what you've had to go through in life. I don't know what circumstances you've had to endure. We often do not get to choose what comes into our life, but we do get to choose what we call it. If there's a label that you've embraced and you don't like it, name it something else. Call it something different. Remember God's power is bigger than your past. What may be true about you now does not have to be true about you later, so call it something else. Call it something different. Live into it. And people will often say, well, Ross, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what has been done to me. You have no idea what kind of life I've lived. And I can't, I can't help in those circumstances but say, you know, 
listen to God's truth over you. Listen to God's name over you. Listen to God's word over you. Because all of those things that you've labeled yourself and all of those things that you've called yourself, you've let the world call you, the labels you have applied to your soul and your mind and, and your heart, is one way to look at who you are. And the enemy wants you to look at that, to look at yourself that way. That is one way to look at who you are. But the other way is that you could look at your greatest strength. You could look at it as your greatest strength because you know, you know the power of God to change you. You believe the power of God to change you. Maybe you're able to relate now to people where they've been because you understand the pain of sin in a unique way and you can speak now into their life and help them along their journey. You might call what you've been through a liability or you can say that maybe it's going to become your greatest asset because there are also other people who are living very similar lives to what you lived and now you can pull them along on a journey towards an abundant life just like you're beginning to experience. The enemy can take something and mean it for harm and God can use it for good. The enemy wants you to stay stuck and under the labels that you have applied to your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And God wants to call it something different. If you don't like the label you've been given, call it something else. Name it something else. If you don't like what's been put on you, call it something else. And some of you are thinking, well, yeah, well, I just don't feel it. And to that end, I want to invite my friend Stacy forward to share her experience with reapplying labels. So please welcome Stacy to the stage. Stacy, welcome. Hello. <laughs> I did not give you a lot of time to prepare for this. Nope, 7.30 this morning. You want to move over just a little bit? Yeah. We're all, we're all in last minute mode here. Uh, I've been thinking about this for days, though, and I've been praying for you actually about this for days because I meant to ask you days ago, <laughs> and I just never did. And she was like, good, because if I had days to stew on this, it probably wouldn't have gone well. So yeah. um, you and I have been journeying together for about seven years, Yes. right? Seven years. So tell ago. tell us about seven years ago, and some and specifically ago. some of like the labels that you had applied to yourself or that others had applied to you, and how did those weigh you down, and what was life like because of that? Seven years ago, I was still coming in and out of here, sometimes high. Um, I've been a drug addict for many years, seven also like seven or eight years. Um, I had grown up with labels. Like, you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. You're not smart enough. You're ugly. Like, this kind of ugly. Um, you name it, I was called it. And I believe those things. And I didn't know that there was a God because I was taught that God was a punishing God. Right. And I was taught to be afraid of God. So I didn't know that there was a God that could free me from any of that. So there it was inside of me. Yeah. So these labels were like weights upon your soul. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how did you um, try to get rid of them? Like what was your behavior? What did you – you're co- coping with something, right? Coping with uh, the hauntings of these well, labels. Well, eventually, I, the way I coped with it, my solution was drugs. Drugs, right. Um, but before that, it was um, a lot of sadness, brokenness. I always say, like, emptiness is a heavy burden to carry. Yeah. Um, I tried my best to be what anybody and everybody wanted me to be um, and always seemed to be failing hmm. at that mm-hmm. um, because within myself, I didn't believe that I could be anything be better honest, than what right. I was told I was. Yeah. Yeah. 
And um, not that every moment of my life was terrible or sad or, or broken, but of a lot of it, a lot of it was um, a lot of family dysfunction that led to abusive relationships and, again, then drug addiction. So then that became a label. You're just an addict. Great. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually you found your, your way into this place, and there's some interventions along the way and, and whatnot, mm-hmm. but... Um, you started to believe. You started to hear different different things spoken over you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. truths from God's how God sees you, His unconditional love for you. Did that change immediately? Like, yeah. t- tell tell us a story about like, okay, so yeah, you you have all these labels, these these baggages that you're carrying along. You come into a place like this where you start to hear different labels, different names, different identities spoken over you, different truths spoken over you. How does that transition from like a person who is standing here confident, still certainly on a journey, seven years later? How did it begin? What was the challenge of that? I think it began um, my. I think my first moment of uh, finding out that I wasn't everything that I thought I was. I wasn't all those negative things that I thought I was. Was the day that I was rescued after being trafficked. Hmm. Um, I was kidnapped and, and trafficked by my drug dealer. And I was rescued that day. That day I was going to kill myself. And I heard a voice. Yeah. Or I felt a voice is more like a better description um, telling me to wait. And then I was saved. And I was saved because my family, who I thought didn't love me, my brothers and my sisters, put out a missing persons report on me. Hmm. And, um, and that was the first time I was like, huh, that feels different. Yeah. I heard something. And then shortly after that, I came in here, and I didn't stay sober. I'm five and a half years sober now, but I hadn't stayed sober. But I kept coming back, and people kept saying, come back. People kept making me feel like I was welcome. It didn't matter what condition I was in. I mean, sometimes I was destroyed or severely underweight, and I'm still coming in here, nodding out in the back and being told to just keep coming back. And no one treated me. Not one person treated me like a drug addict. Hmm. Um, and then I started to be able to talk about what was happening, you know, what was going on um, with my life. And instead of hearing, well, how dare you? How dare you abandon your children? It was, you're a sick mom, not a bad mom. You know, those kinds of things are being told to me. And um, instead of being just, I guess, bad in general, you know, I started to become a friend, a daughter, a sister. More than anything, I became a mother. Um, and life became more beautiful, more bright, more light. And uh, yeah. I'm everything that God says I am. And and w- how I know the difference between, because I, be, I would get asked that question, by other people in Alcoholics Anonymous or other people in here, like, well, how do you know? Well, like, other people that are in the same journey that I'm in, whether it's about drug addiction or it's about something else, um, how do you know the difference? And if it's good, it's God. If it's not, it's the enemy. And you need to tell the enemy to shut up. Mm-hmm. And I do that a lot. Yeah. Because I'm still going through it. Yeah. I still have I still have old tapes that play in my head. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a daily choice. Right to choose it something to, to label it something else, um, but even even back then, right, you started attending classes, you've developed new relationships, mm-hmm. you started um, hanging out with different 
different the people, community, the whole community, right? So important, different. right? Um, who are going to speak different truths over you, mm-hmm. God's truth over you. You start reading the word for yourself. Mm-hmm. You eventually start leading things. Yes. Like, put you into positions like, look where God is taking you, right? I was like, holy smokes. Um, Tell me to do what? <laughs> <laughs> and um, new, new therapists. You start listening to different type of music that spoke different truths over you. And yeah. you, there's, a, there's one song in particular that, did you want to share the lyrics oh, yeah. that you were like? Yeah. There's, the everyone knows who Lauren Daigle is, I'm sure. And um, I'm not going to sing it. Trust me, you don't want me to do that. <laughs> we don't want bad singer on the list of things. That, <laughs> um, but uh, it, this part always chokes me up. And when he asked me this this morning, immediately the song came into my head. And it's, um, you say I'm loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I'm strong when I'm weak. You say that I'm held when I'm falling short. And when I don't belong, you say that I am yours. I believe what you say of me. I believe. The only thing that matters now is everything you think of me. And in you, I find my worth. In you, I find my identity. Hmm. And, um, yeah. There's nothing more important to me than God today. Yeah. And, uh, without that relationship, um, I would still have all these lies, and they are lies, claiming me, and I probably would not be sober. I'd probably be dead because I've died. I had died many times. Um, But God kept saving me. He kept bringing me back. I'm not sure why yet. (laughs) Oh, yeah, well. But I think every day there's a different purpose. I think there's a whole slew of people in this world would say, my life has changed because Stacey Smith is here speaking truth into my life and helping me overcome the lies that I've, I've clung to. So... We know, we know why. We know why. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes, thank you. So you kind of, you have to grow into these new truths sometimes. Like, it, it may not be that you hear a new truth and you're able to reapply the labels that you've held on to for your whole life. But you're going to grow into it. And with new communities and new contexts and new truths constantly being spoken over, you can grow into it. I haven't shared this much, but like when we were deciding to move out here, like so many insecurities from my childhood popped up. So many voices that say, nah, 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 you're never going to make it. You're never going to survive. Why are you moving across the country to start a church? Why not, why not just stay here? We had so many naysayers, friends, family saying, don't do it. It's never going to work out there. You're never going to be able to reach people out there because people don't want to be reached out there. We even came out here and people here were saying that, like, why are you wasting your time out here? People don't want to be reached here. And so we, so many insecurities of mine kept popping up. All these labels, insecurities, you're unqualified, you're not good enough. You're very, what, what you're hoping to accomplish is so different than what's out there, you know, like no, nobody's, nobody's that concerned about their community. It's never going to work. And so you know what you have to do in those moments? You kind of have to embrace it a little bit. I am unqualified, that is true, but you know what? Christ in me is more than enough. I am different, and different is good, and restoration is different, it's unique, it's different than other churches. Who wants to be normal? Who wants to be boring and and normal, right? When you can be different. Who wants a normal church when you can do radical out-of-the-box things? Who wants to know normal things when you can be different? See, what I was convinced that the enemy intended for good, God intended, what, what the enemy intended for evil, for destruction, God intended for good. And I believe that over every single one of you, friends. 
We live in a world that is constantly, whether through social media or what you've experienced or what you've done, just the lies of the enemy, the, the context of living upon this planet, we live in a world that is constantly trying to tell us who we are. And if you listen to him long enough, you will believe that you are no good, that you're stupid, that you'll never accomplish anything, that you're worthless, that you'll always be alone in life. But we have a God who says otherwise. We have a God who says otherwise. And so in those moments, we need to, to tell the father of lies that he is a liar to shut his mouth. All he, all he knows is lies. All he speaks is lies. Tell him to shut his mouth and be, believe and know the truth of God spoken over us. But if you're not in community, if you're not in God's word, you will never know those truths spoken over you. And so friends, I pray that we would be set free from the ghost of the past labels that we have allowed to cling to our souls and our hearts and our minds. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for who you are. I want to, I want to thank you that you have come into this world to be our defender and to stand in the gap between the enemy and his lies and what he is speaking over us, Father, to stand in the gap and say, no, this is my beloved child. This child will never be alone because I am always with them and I will never forsake them. This child is loved unconditionally despite all that they have done. I love them. I love them. And there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I have cleansed them and I have washed them. Father, when we hear the lies of the enemies and we want to apply those labels, I pray, Father, that whatever word is embedded within our hearts, Father, would rise to the surface and say, no, that is a lie you're hearing. Here is the truth. Here is the truth. Thank you that you loved us so much that you would come into our mess, into our labels, and you would rename us, beloved child. May we, Father, from here learn to claim our identity in you. To know who we are because of who you are and what you have done for us. Thank you. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, we invite you to join us next week as we delve into the topic of shame. Again, very similar in some ways. Come and be set free from the ghost of shame. God bless you all.